One of the lenses I want to suggest would be to consider the gospel through the lens of initiation. We feel responsible to have a kind of 30-minute conversation that ends with the sitcom making sense. Uh, no. Sometimes the vision can cause you to stop. The vision doesn't drive you, the vision can actually constrain you. You just think, well, gosh, that's way bigger than I am. That's way bigger than my skills. If your spiritual life does not have a regular dose of adventure to it, it's not going to sustain the masculine soul. Want to know something interesting about Leonardo da Vinci? I'm going to tell you anyway. He had a daily habit where he would, as part of his daily journal, on whatever scrap of paper he was currently working with, he would write a list of questions that he just wanted to know the answers to. I don't know that I could handle that. Writing questions every day? No, because not that part, the not knowing part, you know? Like, my questions would be like, what's this person doing? And what should I do with my life? And is there a God after all? Yeah, his questions were like, what's a hummingbird tongue look like? And Oh, so like the super effed up scientist type questions. Yeah, he was an effed up scientist. So Sam has just passed me across the table a little pile of questions for two reasons. We're going to do 30 minutes today of answering questions that we wrote for each other. We were going to go ahead and do sort of an audience poll and let questions write in, but then we realized it's just not that easy to actually contact the Ansense team, which is... On purpose. Yeah, so... Not many people would, like, get out of their car and open their computer and write an email and ask, can you answer this question? But in addition to just asking each other questions about our lives, we do want to model the discipline that is thinking of questions and growing in the skill that is asking your friends questions in a way that makes their life visible to you sort of season to season. So hopefully some of these are really useful and intriguing to you. Yeah, well, that and we thought it'd be kind of funny to... um do like a fishbowl type thing, you know, just write a bunch of thing, words, questions, things in a in a bowl and have to answer them. And and yet actually, as we made the joke, we realized that there was something really kind of interesting there in the terms of questions and conversation. And so I'm a little bit intrigued and nervous to see what this big ball of confetti that is questions is going to, this is going to go. So do you want to start or you want me to start? I'll go first. You should shuffle them. No, just take the top one. I'm over here shuffling like it's like it's obvious. I saw what that one was, and I'm glad I put it back. <laughs> okay. If you could open a store slash shop, what would you do? I love that one. I love dreaming about the city in that way. Right now, the thing that I think would be most interesting and that the city actually has a space for, I would love to open a charcuterie. I thought you might say that. Well, see, because I love making charcuterie, but the problem is there's never, you need like four hours. You need longer than that. Well, I mean, you need like two weeks to finish these products, sometimes much longer than two weeks to finish them. But I just mean, you know, as I'm planning some cool charcuterie thing to try, like a a cured sausage or a fermented and then a simply dry aged sausage, I'm like, man, I'm not like, I'm not going to have time to get home and then grind meat and add spices and get a bacteria culture going. And these are all things that take just a really long time. It's a full-on hobby. You need a Saturday, I think, to make really great charcuterie. But I really love making great charcuterie. 
I've so, got... No, keep going. I'm just going to say that I've got a bunch of maple-cured elk brisket that I made that I've been adding to various things. I currently make the best pastrami that I know of using almost any piece of an elk that's big enough to stay in a roaster. That's big enough to, like, stay in a smoker, not a roaster, to stay in a smoker for upwards of three hours. So it needs a particular thickness, but you can make pastrami with basically anything. And I would have this great, my leading name for it right now is The Block. All right, over to you. Also, I had this theory that um, we, as children, like things that are sweet and savory and all of that because nature wants us to be alive and happy and healthy and eating these things that our body really needs lots of when you were a hunter-gatherer culture. And then as you get older, like the fermented, the cured, the salted, the let's hang this leg up in a cave for three weeks and come back and see what it tastes like kicks in. I think it's our body's ways of trying to like whittle us off. Or it was my theory anyway. You know, like you had your chance around your 20s if you haven't procreated yet. Too late for you. Oh, but fermented things are so good for you. Yeah. So now that I have a daughter and I've been seeing her reaction to kimchi and things like that, I realized maybe I just didn't have a very adventurous palate. All right, here I go. You get to go back in time one year, two years, and five years and tell yourself something. What is it? So an answer for each one. Um, wow. Okay. So one year ago, I think I would have said, uh, pick some more events that you're going to be doing throughout the year because we're, we've picked up the joy of training and of events again. And we're kind of starting from zero again, unfortunately. When we finished our season, we really just like let everything slide. And obviously we were going on a vacation. And so there was much food and drink that we didn't normally have. But then that kind of just continued and continued and continued. And people talk about like the holidays being tough. <laughs> the lifestyle was tough there for a while. So I just wish that I was better. I could tell one year ago, Sam, to do a better job of maintaining and keeping some goals out there. Two years ago, I think I would I would have just said like, you know, Finley would have been on the way. We'd have been in our second pregnancy, but our closing in on our first birth? No. No, it wouldn't have been. Two years ago. Two years ago would have been like on the cusp. I would have been in Korea and then we've been coming back. Right. And we would have been on the on the verge of the miscarriage. And I think I would have told myself you can handle what's coming. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you you can handle it. I wouldn't have wanted to cause any undue or any early grief or pain, but I think I would have instilled a little bit a little bit of confidence there. Not that, I, yeah. Anyway, um, and then five years ago, let's see, I would have been married now for a couple of months, driving out to Colorado. <laughs> I think I would have told him. Keep your keep your hold of the future loose. Keep your ideas of what you think is going to happen and what you really want to happen. It's good to dream and it's good to have those things, but don't get too bogged down in, in the specifics. If I could just respond to that third one as being so helpful, because where that becomes a problem for me is when my dreams cross the point where they actually, it's a concrete vision of what I think my life will look like. When it doesn't look like that, really wonderful things can feel like failure or can feel like a departure 
from the trajectory of development that I actually wanted. And I'll miss out on all kinds of awesome things that God is doing and all kinds of awesome directions that my life can take if the one vision that I have in my mind for what it should look like is sort of subliming all others. Totally. All right. All right. I got you, one. I'm opening one. There you go. Blaine typed his. I, I wrote mine. I, mean, I, I write in Sanskrit, so it's a little tough. When you wake up in the morning, what is the choice you have to make? Oh, dude, that's a, that's a corker of a question. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm assuming that there's a choice. <laughs> oh, man. It's so interesting. I think recently, for the past couple weeks, maybe even the past month, get up in the morning and the first thing that happens is actually sort of the agreements come rushing in. And, and in a subtle way, like, you know, I don't like this day. I'm exhausted. I just need to get out the door. And I think rather than some sort of positive affirmation of what my life is or what God is doing, it just is sort of a systemic rejection of a few basic things that present themselves to me most days. Like, I renounce that the day is going to be hard. I do not know what the day holds. I renounce that I just need to get out the door. I'm going to have a couple hours here because my daughter's an early riser where I get to do breakfast in the morning and she eats the craziest thing. I kind of have this experiment going of, will she eat that as a breakfast food? Even things that aren't food. Sometimes <laughs> I don't feed them to her, but she goes and finds them. Oh, yeah, okay. Like garden soil. <laughs> Flower petals. Wow, she'll eat anything. No. All the things that I put on the plate are edible. And then the things that she goes and finds are like a brick of styrofoam that she took a bite out of yesterday morning. Mm. Um, but, you know, renouncing like need to get out the door, renouncing, renouncing that the day is going to be hard. And then I think there's just a broader sort of, right now, I don't think I have a clear vision of, you know, what the next year or what the next kind of two years of my life are like building towards. It just, let alone five, it's felt like these have just been a lot of the slow and steady, a lot of days that look very similar, a lot of addressing issues that look really similar, a lot of hashing out the same things in community and in family and in relationship. And because of that, there's sort of like a disorientation that comes in of like, what is my life about right now? There's nothing, there's no glamour and there's very little spectacle and there isn't even that much major achievement, which I really have learned more and more that I am driven by. And I think simply to renounce a feeling that would be something like I don't like my life right now, but that would be so extreme because I don't. Ha- what I actually feel is like, I don't know what is happening right now, or I don't know how to sort of frame my day and just being like, no, that is not true. I know enough about what it looks like to walk out daily development with God, daily relationship with God, that that's enough to orient my day. That's enough to keep this thing moving forward. So there are my choices every morning between 6 and 6.30. That's good. All right, so I'm staring at this one, so I'm just going to do this and keep the next one be the next one be a surprise. What are you learning about loving your wife? Uh, we just had Valentine's Day, and we haven't typically been a couple that worries too much about the things that Hallmark says we need to celebrate. And um, we also haven't had a ton of disposable income in our first several years of marriage, and so we've not really been a gift-giving couple. I mean, like, not for Christmas, sometimes for birthdays, definitely not for Valentine's Day. This last Valentine's Day, through some conversations and then some reflection, 
uh, it became very apparent to me that I've been, been doing a pretty poor job of romancing my wife. And that was a, a slap in the face. I don't really like cliches, but I found that I can be a bit of a cliche husband who needs to be told literally what to get and what my wife wants. And then I'll go do the thing. And if she says, you know, oh, let's give an example. So I asked what she would like for Valentine's Day. And she's like, oh, you know, just like a card or whatever. Just, you know, it doesn't really matter. I take that to mean it doesn't really matter. And just a card or whatever. Or probably nothing. Yeah. I took that super duper literally for a long time. And I didn't realize just (laughs) how stupid that was. So my wife loves words and she loves surprises. And it's my mission now to be dreaming about ways I get to pursue her better because I know those things. And it's not, it's actually my joy to get to bring those and offer them. It's not offered out of shame, though shame is a great jolt in the butt to start. I'm now pursuing that out of my affection for her. And I love the look in her eyes when she knows she's delighted in. This one, I just want to sort of emphasize for our guys listening that no woman wants to identify as the woman that loves romance or or loves Valentine's Day. I don't think any girl's going to be like, I just really love dates. I really love these things. And being like, oh, okay, so you must just like everyday life. We can go on a date by going, going to the grocery store. And it's like, no, 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 no. But they all love being, and we all love being chosen, being sacrificed for, being thought of these core needs of the human soul. And even though, you know, my wife would definitely not identify as someone who likes Valentine's Day. And therefore, I sort of just blew through the day with a coffee date, which I think got us through until I can think of something better to do to actually love or my wife. time passes. And well, I, I just need, it. I think I've got like sort of a six-week time frame now. Mm. Is that how it works? Mm. Sort of. Well, anyway, we're going to work this out. But even though she wouldn't be like, I love Valentine's Day, because who wants to be the person that loves Valentine's Day besides a grandmother? It could be like, yeah, but I do love, my heart has the core needs of being sacrificed for, seen, known, treasured. Pursued. Pursued. Totally. All right, all right, here we go. What's something you want to learn how to do? Yeah, I know lots of things. Uh, and it has to be realistic. It can't be like fluent in every language. I, uh, no, I wouldn't want to be fluent in every language. I'm trying to think of like... Uh, if there's a genie in a bottle, I'd ask that. But. <laughs> like, fluent in every language. <laughs> what does your friend say? Just the, Any, I would give anything except for the time and dedication <laughs> to have that skill. Um, that is good. It was just... Okay, so this question. What's something you want to learn how to do? Actually, on Sunday, I was making a list. I was like, Emily... We should just make lists of things of like skills that we want and things. And it turns out she doesn't like that maybe as much as I do. Um, <laughs> and I think so. These let me just cross the spectrum because a few things come to mind right away. Like you know, uh, su- super basic physical s- skill I'm interested in. We talk about you know we always return to our hobby of how we like triathlon and we do total immersion swimming, and yet. Sam always beats me out of the water, though I seem faster than him when we're training. And so 
I think I really. Uh, I'm glad you're finally admitting that this has been bugging you. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It's what bothers me. You'll swim. You'll swim harder in the pool too. Anyway, I think I need to like sort of change my techniques. I've been interested in being like learning some other swim strokes, uh, learning to be a more capable swimmer. I think that on a on another sense. I'm really interested in this thing of manual competency and where I'm, I'm becoming like more in charge of the things inside my kingdom. So I'm on like the long, slow track to actually be able to address issues with my engine. And there's nothing like having the check engine light come on and feel like not really feeling the confidence that I've resolved it myself when I change the oil. So I take it into the mechanic who like charges me $30 to tell me that all I needed was an oil change. And it's just like, oh man, there is my lack of initiation just continuing to harm me. So this year has been, uh, how can I expand my knowledge sort of systemically of car engines and how do they work? And what would it be like to actually have total mastery over my CRV? Nice. I like that answer. All right, here we go. You can give a friend any material thing. Any material thing. Uh, who and what is it? Don't you love that? Yeah. Because it makes you think, what, what are there any material things that would actually help? You know, Dan Allender's like, tell a person apart from God is demonic. But on the other hand, <laughs> sometimes there are like simple material things that would really help somebody. I'm assuming I'm not, you know, able to say all the money. No, it can't be all the money. <laughs> I Can I say I, I would give Susie a Tesla? Car. <laughs> That you would then drive. <laughs> no, that's not. No, she would drive it. It's, not, it's not for me. It's it's for Susie and for the planet. Because that's that was that was the first that thing that came to mind. Uh, yeah, are, that's okay. There, all right. Susie gets a Tesla car. Boom. For the planet. For any other reasons, it's for the planet. Okay. What book do you wish you wrote? I love that. I always want to have written the good books that I read. Yeah, but you just got to choose one. What, which one would you take over if you could? Oh, man. Okay, so if it was one that was like, this is my book now. That's fun. I like that. Sort of can think at night about like how aggrandizing it would be. Um, oh, man. The Bible. I would have Russian... That you'd be so the famous. Gospel of Luke. I had written Hebrews, <laughs> and be I'd be really Almighty. famous, and nobody would know who I was. <laughs> there's a, there's some extreme anonymity. No, the book that actually came to mind, I think it's so interesting. Its English translation is called Avoid, but it's a novel. The entire thing is written without the letter E, the whole novel. There's no E in the whole book. And you read through and it starts... Oh, my gosh. All right, so you're, like, thinking, what a stupid postmodern thought experiment until you see that, like, without destroying language, this guy is actually able to complete this thing that, like, gives you a weird feeling as you're reading through this book. You feel the absence of the, like, visual presence of this letter on the page. But then he just tells a story where the absence of the E and, like, the sort of void in the center of the story is supporting the core theme of the relationships of the characters. And I'm like... So does he use words that would normally have the E? He just takes the E out? Or does he never use any words with the E? No E words. So never. No the. The. No the. No eat. So. Oh my gosh. It's it's like if you ever, if you want to, sometimes I try to have conversations just in one syllable words. (laughs) (laughs) Which should be revealing some of why you chose that book, actually. (laughs) And it's like a really fun thing to do to go, man, can I make my way all the way through this little exchange 
with this major restriction. It's fun. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. What piece of advice have you been given most recently that has continued to affect your decisions? Pregnant pause. What piece of advice? Oh, there you go. I was going to say, I try to ignore most advice, but that's not true. It's Morgan's. The one that he said, but your family gets your best. And he said it offhandedly, like it was an obvious thing. But he was referring to how with our lives, with his life, with my life, you have your work, you have your social engagements, and you have your family, and you have whatever you do for yourself in the, in the midst of all that. And his posture that he's been developing and fighting for is that his family gets his best version of himself. You don't get home and you're exhausted. You haven't just sort of saved the last little dregs for the people that actually make up some of your closest relationships in life that you want to give them the, your best version of yourself, which I felt really convicted by because I had not been doing that. Yeah, that one's a corker, man. All right, man. You can only focus on one thing this year. Yeah, I figured this is going to be a hard one for you. <laughs> what is it? One thing. No, this is actually, I know, this sounds like a pat answer and the answer I'm supposed to give, but it's really true of daily rhythm with God. Boom. Em and I will be on walks and I'll be talking about what I'm interested in. We'll be talking about how our day was. And there are sort of these peripheral things that are interesting to me or seem important, like how do we get more joy or how do we, you know. I thought you were going to say money. How, how do we get <laughs> How do we get rich and popular? No, it'll be you know, uh, more joy. It'll no, it'll be like joy, or it'll be like time in the wilderness, or like to have a sort of a real wellspring of life in the middle of our family that is sort of hmm. exceeding the boundaries of our home. And just knowing the degree to which that originates with a daily life with God. And yet you would think structuring my time so that there was just deep and rhythmic encounter with God would be really easy. And yet, I think in every stage of life, in ev- every stage, there are always so many mitigating factors and that it just, it's never an easy thing to adjust yourself to. Supposedly, like, as with any other habit, once you're in it, it becomes sort of second nature. It becomes something that really does shape your schedule and therefore reinforce itself. But clearing that hurdle. I know. I feel like I have so many visions of things that that's why like the one, if I could only do one thing until it became so natural, I think it would actually happen. Tendency instead is to do like 20 things and then sort of fail on all of them and not have any of them become routine rhythm. What advice are you following about money? What actionable thing would teach, would you teach somebody? Oh, what advice am I following about money? Well, believe it or not, that whole podcast we had with Jesse Meekum from YNAB, we like, we're super new to the world of sticking with the budget. We've, you know, done lists and papers and things like that for years that it feels like we finally found something that's worked for us. And that's, I think, really the most important thing. Something different works for other people. But the advice that we're following is that like, we're really trying to not let our finances rule us and not get totally bound up in them. There's lots of statistics that say that there is a certain level of happiness that your income can bring. And for some levels, like you're living with some serious stress and twice what you're making would be phenomenal and actually totally help you. 
And for others, money actually isn't the answer. And for you people, I don't, I don't know what to say to you because I, that's, that's a little far away from me. But for Susie and I, there is a lot of joy in, in saving up for things and earning things. And we do split our income in ways that we can go on a fun trip a year while trying to pay off our student loans instead of just having a nose to the grindstone and 10 years from now, five years from now, feeling like we can begin living life again. We wanted to be living life in the midst of things. And the advice that I would give, I mean, the actionable thing would be pick something that works for you and stick to it and don't let the shame and the condemnation of not succeeding in it stop you from from taking it up again or from from starting something in the first place. Boom. I'm going to go ahead and answer that one too because I do think about that. And the two things that I've been experiencing relative to money that I would tell a person seem contradictory, they're actually really helpful. And the first one is, are there places in my life where spending is the solution, but what I actually need to do is develop my capacity to feel joy? For example, the person who needs their daily latte. And that's the, always a classic example, or they they need their beer out, or they need like these things that are good things. But simply, when I realize that that is the crutch with which I'm supporting myself, I become really interested in like instead of going to the movie, can I actually for several weeks get time in the wilderness and become someone who can feel joy in the wilderness? And the other one, which is totally opposed to that, it would seem, but is I think Em and I just learning the value. You know, we follow all the financial rules, everybody. We all, I, maybe we'll do another podcast on them, but I think, you know, the basics, the basics are just there in the world for the taking. And so the non-basics are things like, can we specifically allocate then a joy budget for not, if I don't need the cappuccino for joy, then it becomes this really freeing thing to go, actually, we protect and we use like a certain amount of our income for things that like that are just like casual joy like bowling or a pair of shoes or or all of these things and dad and mom actually gave us this idea as like a budget category and it's been totally helpful okay sorry i'm answering your question all right oh, i don't want that's too deep um <laughs> what is it just read it and then you can go on all right where is god fathering you these days rapid fire round Okay, <laughs> rapid fire. Uh, where is God fathering you? Uh, sleep training Alish and... Mm, you don't understand rapid. I don't rapid. Okay, Put the rapid in rapid, rapid, rapid fire. Right, the rapid. Where is God fathering you these days? Uh, sleep training my daughter, learning that passivity doesn't nourish the masculine soul. Back <laughs> Just that. All right. What book have you given away most often? Eating Animals. By who? Jonathan Safran Foer. Go check it out. Who or what do you think about to keep yourself motivated? I like thinking about the fact that Paul gets his calling and is then sent into exile for 15 years and comes back as someone who is able to bring the gospel to the entire gentile, gentile, gentile world. Gentile world. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Is there healthy engagement with social media? No, mostly no. Maybe tiny... But mostly no. That's I asked one like this too. You've got thirty seconds to one minute to calm slash recenter. What do you do? Okay, if I actually only have thirty seconds to calm and recenter, yep. First thing I do is leave my desk. So I just get out of that world, and I'm just going to take a lap around the halls. Next thing I do is breathing, just five 
deep breaths, long breath in, hold, exhale, can actually have like a major metabolic benefit. And then we do this thing where I'll actually use as a mantra, just a repeated prayer to God of like, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Do that. 60 seconds, it helps. Yeah, so you have one of these as well, sort of. What do you do when you're feeling unfocused, overwhelmed? How do you reorient yourself? I will often just say the name of Jesus throughout the day, actually. And it is a very, like, kind of mantra-centering type thing. It makes you think of, what, Franny and Zoe, where the in the first part, then Franny, the, the pray at all times without ceasing is just, Lord have mercy. Oh, dear. Okay, so white or brown rice? Usually neither, but both beans. But if you are exercising at 75% of your aerobic threshold, uh, so if you're going pretty dang hard, your body switches and begins consuming glucose. Uh, Otherwise, it consumes a lot of fat. And if you've been doing that, then it's really important to actually replenish that via natural carbohydrates, in which case I would, it wouldn't matter. But after that workout, I would do one of those two, some of it. (laughs) All right. And my final one, although you wrote more, what are you doing to develop your capacity for joy? We're a dancing family and our daughter is now dancing because we dance all the time. So I love music, love playing music in the house, love dancing around to it and um, love seeing my daughter, who's a little over one year old, like, we'll just start dancing regardless of whatever music's coming on. And that's awesome. But the other day, on a different note, I was feeling the need to like, experience some joy. And I was pretty sure it was in buying something. And so I went to this website of the Kawaii Juice Company, which was this shop that we really enjoyed on a recent vacation out there. And it was just just to go onto their site and go into their merch and see their shirts and things like made me so happy. Like I was back in Hawaii and like I was eat, drinking their fresh juices. And so I like, I put a shirt for me and a, and a tank top for Susie and a couple of stickers in the shopping cart and I didn't buy it, but I just needed to like put it and like arrange it and look at it and then go like, ah, and that's also not going to make me happy, but at least, it, you know, it was the joy of shopping without actually shopping. I think that that just really shows our audience how weird you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I'm the weird one. Mr. One syllable sentences over there. This has been a set of talks that don't have... You could say questions, could you? No, I could not. That's, you know, it's hard in real time. You did pretty well right there. I know. So this has been 30 Minutes of Questions with Anson's Magazine. Guys, hope some of these things are actually prompting you into your own world. And that bare minimum, the ability to ask regular questions of one another around core areas just as a discipline, like a practice that's like physical exercise, is something that you're able to grow into with your own dudes. And some of these can hopefully be models. Other than that, we will see you next week. <laughs>